with next Sunday being Easter, I decided to do a two-part series called Crowded Cross. We're going to take a look at the cross and at the crowd that attended the crucifixion. Of course, we're also going to celebrate the empty tomb. All four Gospels record the crucifixion. They're all similar in their accounts, and yet each Gospel writer wrote and recorded some different and distinct things and some specific details about this event. John seems to be the only eyewitness, as the other disciples seem to be hiding out. John's account of the crucifixion can be found in John chapter 19, in verses 17 through 42. I want to just read just a portion of this passage. Let's, let's look at verses 17 through 30. It says, And he, of course, Jesus, bearing his cross, went out to a place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew, Golgotha, where they crucified him and two others with him, one on either side and Jesus in the center. Now Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Then many of the Jews read this title. For the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And it was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. Therefore the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews. But he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to each soldier apart, and also the tunic. Now the tunic was without seam, woven from the top in one place. They said, therefore, among themselves, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be. That the scripture might be fulfilled, which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Therefore the soldiers did these things. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother, and his, and his mother's sister, Mary, the mother, or the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. The title of our short series is Crowded Cross. Today I want to examine the crowd. Next Sunday, we'll examine the cross.
As I study not only John's account of the crucifixion, but all four of the Gospels and Gospel writers' writings about the crucifixion, I see at least seven types of people who made up the crowd that was present at our Lord's crucifixion. Here's what I've discovered, and that is the crowd at the cross was very diverse. I want us to take a few moments today, and first of all, I want us to see who was in the crowd. I want to share these seven types of people who made up the crowd that was at the cross at the crucifixion. The first type of people were the anxious people. The anxious people, people like like his mother Mary, people like his disciple John, and a few others. Can you even imagine what must have gone through the mind of our Lord's mother? She had carried him in her womb for nine months. She had given birth to him. She had raised him. How many scrapes and bruises had she doctored? How how many boo-boos had she kissed and made better? She had watched him grow and mature into manhood. Oh, no doubt, she was, she was so proud of him as it grew clearer and clearer that, that he was divine. And what about John? Not, not just a disciple, but a, but a beloved disciple. He was known as, as John the Beloved, uh, uh, the disciple that Jesus loved. Why, he had even laid his head on the chest of our Lord. He had been an eyewitness to the many, many miracles of Jesus. He was there. He was there when Jesus turned the water into wine. He was there when Jesus took the little little five loaves and two fish from the little lad and and fed 5,000 hungry families. He he was there when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Now, now they, they both stand there helpless looking upon the one they loved as he hangs on an old rugged cross. Can you even imagine their anxiety? The second type of people that I see in the crowd is I I see the angry people. Yeah, the angry people, the, the people who demanded his crucifixion are in the crowd that day to make sure that it is carried out. Even some of the religious leaders of the day are there, and they are angry. Pilate places a sign above the cross of Jesus that reads, Jesus of Nazareth, the the King of the Jews. The religious leaders in anger demand that the sign be changed to read, He said... I am the king of the Jews. He's not our king, they protested. Change the sign. Pilate answers them by saying, what I have written, I have written. Not only was the crowd made up of anxious people and angry people, but but also of antagonistic people. Yeah, antagonistic people in Matthew's account of the crucifixion. 
Matthew chapter 27, verses 39 through 44, it says, And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, You who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also mocking with the scribes and elders said, He saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he is the king of Israel, let him come down from the cross, and then we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. And even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him with the same thing. If the pain and the agony and the humiliation of the cross were not enough in themselves, Jesus had to endure the antagonism of many in the crowd that day. Oh, it's one thing. It's one thing to give your life for a thankful people. It's one thing to give your life for an appreciating people, for an encouraging people, but but for an antagonistic people. But Romans 5 and verses 7 and 8 says, For scarcely for a righteous man one would die. Oh, perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We're talking about who was in the crowd on crucifixion day. Notice another type of people, and that is abusive people. Abusive people. See, crucifixion wasn't just a form of capital punishment. No, no, its very design was for the purpose of torture. The purpose of torture. Crucifixion had the reputation of being number one on the torture ratings chart. The executioners were trained on how to position the body on the cross to produce the maximum amount of pain and torture. And only a few were willing to volunteer for this assignment. Only the heartless, only the most vile, only the calloused could carry out such a horrendous act. And while Jesus is agonizing in pain, they divide up his clothes between them and they gamble for his seamless tunic. The executioners, executioners were not the only abusive people in the crowd. Read the story, read the story. People verbally abuse Jesus from the crowd, mocking him and cursing him and making fun of him. But also in the crowd you find apathetic people. People who just come to watch kind of like people do today when they pass by a wreck on the highway, gawking at the scene. Oh, some with pure concern, yes, but others just looking for the blood. Here's Jesus hanging on the cross, giving his very life, suffering, agonizing, 
experiencing indescribable pain while people sit and watch him. Oh, so nonchalantly they watch, apathetic to what is really going on. Oh, how? Oh, I I ask the question, how? How could he endure such as this? How could he not say, I'm calling this off. I'm not going to go through this for these heartless ingrates. But no. No, even for the heartless ingrates that surrounded his cross and the heartless ingrates that are still around today, Jesus died for them too. Who was in the cross that day? How about arrogant people? Who knows what conversations were had at the foot of the cross? Because I know people, because I know how people act, there's no doubt in my mind that arrogant people were in the crowd that day. Self-proclaimed experts who claimed to know all about Jesus. Some of them had never even met him perhaps, but oh, oh, they act like they know all about him. Self-proclaimed experts who were all too free with their opinions. I can just imagine what some of the Facebook posts would have been if it had been available at that time. Such foolishness presented as wisdom. Here's what I've discovered, and that is the crowd at the cross was very, very diverse. No, Jesus didn't have a group of cheerleaders at the cross cheering him on. Jesus, Jesus, you're our man. If you can't do it, no one can. No. No, the crowd at the cross was a tough crowd. The crowd at the cross was a heartless crowd. Oh, it was a demeaning crowd. And yet among the crowd... Among the crowd, there was a sprinkling of, yes, only a sprinkling of, but there was a sprinkling of authentic people. People like his mother. People like his disciple John. People like Mary Magdalene. Can you you even imagine the gratitude that she must have had in her heart for Jesus? She had been tormented by seven demons until Jesus delivered her. Oh, the majority of the crowd were glad for his crucifixion, but there was a few, a sprinkling, a few who were sad. People who loved Jesus. People who were, who were there to support Jesus. People who were authentic in their, in their love and their genuine concern for him. We're examining the crowd that attended the crucifixion. We've looked at who was in the crowd. Now I want us to take a few moments to notice who wasn't in the crowd. First of all, most of his faithful followers. Most of his faithful followers were not in the crowd. They were not at the foot of the cross. John was there, but where were the other disciples? 
Twelve men spent 24-7 with him for three and a half years, and only one shows up at the cross? Really? And where were all the people he healed? Where was blind Bartimaeus? Where was the woman with the issue of blood? Oh, for 12 long years she had suffered with this blood disorder and nobody could help her at all until she came into contact with Jesus. Where where was the woman with the issue of blood? Oh, Oh, where was the man who was healed by the pool of Bethesda? He had been crippled for 38 years until he came in contact Jesus. Oh, where was the widow of Nain and her son? Jesus had, had literally raised him from the dead. And I ask you today, I, I ask you, where was all the people that he taught? The multitudes, literally thousands of people that he taught. Uh, oh, they had been spellbound with his teachings. Oh, they'd been willing to, to, to listen to him literally all day long. Oh, oh, no man ever spake like this man, they all said. But where are they? They didn't show up at the cross. They were not a part of the crowd. I'm talking about who wasn't in the crowd. But not only was it most of his faithful followers in the crowd that day, but also, also neither was, are you ready for this? Neither was his father. You heard me correct. God the Father was not there for his son. He couldn't be. He couldn't be. You see, you see, if Jesus was going to pay the price for the salvation of man, if Jesus was going to stand in for man and be man's substitute, if grace and mercy was going to be offered to man, the price of purchasing grace and mercy had to be paid the full price. We know grace is the freely given and unmerited Love and favor of God. Oh, grace is Jesus doing for us what we can never ever do for ourselves. Grace is Jesus purchasing our salvation through his death on the cross. Mercy is God withholding from us what we do deserve. Oh, we talk about grace nearly every single Sunday. Our church is named after it. But I want to tell you, I'm not only grateful today for the grace of God, but I'm also grateful for His mercy. His mercy. Mercy is God withholding from us what we do deserve. And what we do deserve is God's wrath poured out on us as punishment for our sin. But through mercy, God poured out his wrath for our sin, not on us, not on us, but upon his own son, Jesus, on the cross. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, every single sin of man was somehow placed upon him. And God poured out his wrath for our sin on his very own son, Jesus, 
on the cross. God the Father was not in attendance at the cross. He was not a part of the crowd. He couldn't be. He couldn't be because because separation from God is part of the punishment for sin. Romans 6 and 23 says the wages or the price or the punishment for sin is death. This is not just talking about natural death, but it's also talking about spiritual death. And spiritual death is separation from God. Friend, the worst part of hell for the lost will not be the fire. You heard me correctly. The worst part of hell for the lost will not be the fire as excruciatingly painful as it will be. No, the worst part will be separation from God. Oh, friend, we have absolutely no clue how it will feel to have absolutely zero presence, zero influence, zero tangible expressions of God. The hopelessness, the despair. Talk about being in a dark place. If Jesus was going to purchase mercy and grace, he must pay the full price, which would include separation from his Father. And in Matthew 27 and 46, on the cross, on the cross, Jesus cries out. He cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Much more painful than the nails that were in his hands and in his feet much more agonizing than the physical death that he had to experience. Oh, friend, was the spiritual death, the spiritual death, separation from his father. But that was the price for salvation. There would be no discounted price offered. He must pay full price. And so he did. Our takeaway for the message today, our confidence in the cross will determine our commitment to Christ. We've been talking about the crowd today. Here's what I know. The crowd that was at the crucifixion was no different than the crowd who considers Christ today. People are people. The question for us today is, where do we stand in the crowd? Where do we stand in the crowd? What type of a person are we? Are we anxious? Angry? Antagonistic? Abusive? Apathetic? Oh, there's such apathy in our world today, especially towards towards our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, oh, may that not be said of us. Oh, oh, we hear messages on the cross. We hear messages on the blood. We hear messages on these kinds of, of types of su- subjects and we yawn and, and we've heard it before and well, it's no big deal and we become apathetic. Oh, may that not be said of us. May we realize the ultimate price that was paid by our Lord and our Savior for you and I to know him personally and have salvation. What kind of person are we? Are we arrogant? 
Maybe you're watching me today and you have a touch of arrogance. I, I don't need the church. I don't need Jesus. I don't need all that religious stuff. Well, I'm telling this morning, you do not need religion today, but you do need a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, you may not need religion today, but you need Christianity. You need Jesus, who is the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the one that paid the ultimate price for your salvation. Oh, you're in desperate need of him. Hopefully you fall in the realm of the authentic. You're the real deal. Oh, I've, I speak to the Christians today. Please, please, please be the real deal. Never before in, the, in our history today or, what, you know, in, 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 in our era of time, has there ever been a greater need for the, for the church to really be the church and the Christians to truly be Christians and truly be Christ-like and truly be the real deal? Because people are looking today. They're looking, oh, for answers today. Oh, oh and the answer is Jesus. Oh, but so many of them can't get to Jesus because we're standing in the way. Oh, we're standing in the way. They can't see Jesus because we're standing in the way. When in reality, they should be seeing Jesus through us. Through us. What kind or type of person are we? I'm going to ask you to bow your head today and close your eyes. To ask you today if you ever have invited Jesus Christ to become the Lord and Savior of your life. If you ever ask Him to be your Savior, He paid the ultimate price on the cross. But we must place our faith in what He did for us on that cross. Today, if you're watching me today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, today is your day. Today is your day. I've been praying. I've been praying for you, and today is your day to receive Christ. So today, I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer with me this morning. I'm going to ask you today to place your faith for your salvation in the cross of Jesus Christ. That's what it takes to be saved. Well, I'm going to ask you today, if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you want to be saved today, repeat this prayer with me today. Repeat it, repeat it from your heart, not just your mind. Pray, dear God, I need a Savior. I want to be saved. So today, I place my faith for my salvation in the grace of God. What you did for me through your son Jesus Christ on the cross. I repent of my sins today and I reach out to Jesus asking you, Lord, to be my Savior and my master. You prayed that prayer with all sincerity. I believe the Lord heard you and saved you today. Your heads are still bowed and your eyes are still closed for just a moment. 
Maybe you're here today or you're listening today or watching today and you would say, I don't like the type of person that I've become. I see myself in some of those seven types. I don't like the person I've become. And so today I'm going to ask Jesus to help me to become authentic in my Christianity. I don't want to stand in the way. I don't want, I won't want to block Jesus from other people, but I want people to actually see Jesus when they see me. Lord, I just lift up those today. Lord, they're not, they're not pleased with the type of person that they have become. God, I pray today that you will change them. Make them authentic. The real deal. Let others see Jesus through them and through their life. Lord, I lift up anyone today that may be anxious today through what is happening in our world today. I speak peace over hearts, troubled hearts today. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen.